Hello and welcome to Life with Frenzy podcast, a place where you will find all kinds of conversation uh, like mental health, self-love, self-care, trauma, hobbies, and more. With this podcast, I want to create a place where we support one another in personal and business life. Hope you enjoy this episode. Now, let's get the show started. On today's episode, I have the pleasure to talk to Kelly Collins, and she is the writer of the swipe right effect so I am excited to start this because she has a different perspective and I just can't wait to start this conversation I met her through uh Patmash so remember to check out that amazing community now let's uh get welcome uh Kelly so tell us what is life with you life with me is um always on the go <laughs> i love to be uh, i i wouldn't say i'm like a mover and shaker but i do love to be on the move i love to hike i love to go and be with my girlfriends and go socialize i love to travel back to nashville to see all of my family and uh, my daughters all live in three different cities so i'm always on the go to go see them as well so on the go <laughs> for sure <laughs> Nice. I love that. So yeah, tell us a little bit about you and how this book came about. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, my, my past <laughs> career, I was in sales and then healthcare marketing. And then I eventually started a company with another woman, Susan, and we started a news publishing company. We started a newspaper for our hometown and it was where I grew up and my kids, you know, were growing up there. And so it was really fun. I'd always been a writer, but not necessarily journalism. And um, so we started that and we built it up to four newspapers and then she exited the business and I added a few more and got up to nine or eight and then one added one later. And um, I ended up selling the company. And I was going through a divorce and it was just too much to try to be a small business owner, go through the divorce and all of that. It was tough. And um, so I did this hike in Spain called the Camino de Santiago, and it's a 500 mile pilgrimage. And while I was on that hike, I, I made a lot of decisions and I, and I really um, had a life transformation, but that's when I decided to sell the business. So I sold it in 2018. And I had to stay for three years as part of the deal. And so then I retired and I had saved my money and I traveled for a year. And while I was traveling, I was really reminiscing and trying to have a, an attitude of gratitude. And I really started thinking about all my friends who had helped me through the divorce, you know, friends, employees, my family. And I started thinking about all this advice that people had given me that saved me, really just helped me transform from extremely unhappy and depressed to this happy place that I am now. And so I wrote that book. I wrote that book of advice that people had given me. And so the title is kind of a play on words because when you're dating, online dating, it's you swipe right when you choose someone and you swipe left when you don't, of course. And I, I want people to think about choosing themselves and really working on themselves. So I, it's really about swipe right for you has a really positive effect. So that's the swipe right effect. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. And yeah, choosing yourself first and then like, um, 
traveling too I, I love traveling like I've been traveling by myself since I was 15 so it, it's very cool so yeah how did you prepare for traveling I uh, well when it came to the Camino it was I was a bit I was a big runner and so I had to shift from running to hiking because you can't run with a 20 pound backpack on your back well I can't maybe some people can yeah but I can't and <laughs> And it also slowed me down, which means I had conversations with people that I would not have had, had I been running by myself. And, um, so I had a lot of healing. I trained for between four and 500 miles before I even left to hike the 500 miles. And so that was training. It was really learning to be super self-sufficient. I really only traveled with my kids and my husband, you know, all of that time I was married 31 years. So I had to learn to be truly um, accepting of what my intuition was telling me. I had to be open to meeting new people and asking for what I need. I was always, you know, considered myself self-sufficient and was really proud of that. And I had to make that, that leap to knowing I was going to have to rely on other people while I was on this hike. You have to, you have to get help in some situations, especially if you're lost or something like that. But that really jump-started my whole solo travel desire. I mean, I I just learned so much about myself when I travel, and I've learned how to pack light, and so you don't you don't have to carry that baggage. And then as my my friend Susan, um, that I hiked the part of the Camino with, she says, you know, you also leave your your baggage on the trail, and she means your personal baggage, all your yeah. heartbreak and your you're kind of stunted emotions because of trauma. And she said, you learn to not only carry, make sure your backpack's light so you can travel further and quicker, but also you start leaving that mental baggage on the trail with you. And that was just, it was just, I don't know. It was such a, a gift to have the time to do that. And I, if I hadn't been, if I hadn't owned my own business, I don't think I could have taken those six weeks off and so I just looked at myself in the mirror and said, Hey, can I have six weeks off? And I told myself, yes. <laughs> it, it's so, really hard. It is. It's uh, if I hadn't known my own business, I wouldn't have been able to do it for sure. Because when I came back and sold my business for three years, I only had two weeks vacation and I could never have done it. So I was put in, you know, I just feel like that was the perfect moment for me to have to go and do it by myself. And, and my kids were very supportive you know, some members of my family were freaking out. <laughs> so I had to, you know, kind of calm their fears and I can do this. I've traveled my whole life, but I was usually with people. And I think they were just more wor worried about my broken heart than anything else. But, but that's, yeah, I mean, there's mental preparation, there's learning to pack light so that you're, you can make decisions and move more easily, not have to make decisions based on luggage <laughs> of all things. Yeah. And no, like right now I'm just stuck on like just leaving for that long because like right now um we're planning to leave the country like for a month and things like that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't think that because like we're so used to the corporate world and you have to do things by society standards mm -hmm. and just thinking six weeks off, like just go and travel. Like that sounds so amazing, but my brain can still 
wrap um, my head around it. But yeah, how do you even get ready for that uh, emotionally, physically, you know, everything? I think that challenge of getting ready for all of the things um, was part of the healing. It was part of my growth and it was, um, and I needed that time. I had four months that I trained and I had four months to get ready. And it was, you know, it was a challenge to really, I mean, your backpacks, you don't want it to be more than 20 pounds because you also have to add water on top of that, you know? And so thinking, okay, seven weeks and I have to wear the same thing over and over and over again. I have to wash it constantly. You know, I had two sets of clothes, you're wearing one and you wash the other. And then the next day you flip it. And so, you know, that was a big change for me. I was used to wearing suits and high heels and running my own business. It was just, it was a totally different world. And I kind of just tapped into my inner tomboy because I definitely was a tomboy when I was little. I liked, I wanted the boy big wheel, not the girl big wheel. And I was a skateboarder and, you know, played softball. And I, I just, I really kind of went from high heels to hiking boots (laughs) and it was, and I never really stopped hiking. I have just continued to hike and it keeps me prepped for going. I did a second Camino last year in April. I did the the Portuguese trail. And so I just try to stay in shape. So if the opportunity arises to go on a long hike, I can do it. That's amazing. <laughs> I barely can walk a mile and be like, oh, I'm dying. Yeah, it does take training, I have to say, but it keeps me in shape. I'm I'm in my 50s. So it's important to to stay in shape because you know when you're the older you get, the harder it is to get it back if you let it go. <laughs> oh, I, I got a taste of it at the end of 20s. I was like, oh, metabolism is already changing. It does right at 30. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. And it just keeps changing. I hate to tell you, Francie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, oh. So, yeah, how did you come up with the uh, concept, you know, getting unstuck and then the swipe right effect? Well, what I started thinking about on, when I was traveling last year was like I was kind of trying to hone in on the specific pieces of advice that people had given me. Um, for example, on the Camino trail, I met a woman from Sweden and she, she said, have you ever done a vision board? She was actually a psychotherapist. I just, lucky me, I ended up on a trail with a psychotherapist, but she says, have you ever done a vision board? I'm like, no, I've heard of it, but that's not really my thing. I would never, I would probably never do that. And she's like, well, it really helped me. And she told me her story and, and how she started once she started like writing it down and putting the pictures on the board and all of that things actually started happening for her because, you know, it's law of attraction. You're focused on it. So it's going to come to you. And, um, and I said, well, you know, here I am with my 20 pound backpack and no cork board. So I don't think I can do a vision board right now. And she said, take out your phone. I was like, okay, open your notes app. Okay. Start writing words that make you happy. Think of things that you want to do and just, just a single word. And I was like, okay, you know, I like running in a new city, I like traveling with my kids. I like uh, hugs from behind. I like somebody to kiss behind my ear. You know, I was trying to think like the things I had missed in my marriage after things kind of went south. And and then I started, you know, and just just doing the act of writing down a list of words of things that made me happy started making me happy. 
And it, and because she said that to me on, I think day two of a 38 day hike, I started talking to other people about it. They started sharing their vision for happiness and what they enjoy. And I was like going, oh yeah, I want to add that to my list. And so I talked, I probably talked to about 50 people about that vision board and it changed my life. And now I, now I keep a vision board on my phone. I have a vision board for my book. I have a vision board for um, my personal life. And, and it just, that one piece of advice changed my life. And she helped me understand that I needed to attract happiness into my life. I'd already had six really long, tough years of fighting it out, not really understanding what was going on in my life. And, you know, there was, there was betrayal there and I didn't know it. And so here I am fighting this battle when there's an unseen enemy. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to um, leave that on the trail and start focusing on the future. And she helped me do that from day two. And, you know, and then there's other, other things too. Like my, my sister-in-law gave me a bracelet and I got a sweatshirt on that says you are enough because I just, I just got it in today. I was so excited to find it in the mailbox, but she, she came to my office the day I told her that we were splitting and getting my likely getting divorced. And my sister-in-law brought me a bracelet that said, you are enough. Again, just those three words changed how I saw myself and seeing, having that bracelet on my arm. I don't think I took it off for three years. And, um, but she told me a story of her friend and that's how she broke out of a very bad cyclical betrayal, you know, marriage. And, but she, this woman had said, I am enough. And it, and it just was the impetus for her to leave a bad situation. And so my sister-in-law brought me that bracelet and told me that story. And so I ended, ended up interviewing her friend that had said, I am enough. And so she's chapter two. And, but just the, the, the idea that somebody thinks you're enough, you are enough. And, you know, and you have to learn to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you and you are enough. And the only person who deserves you is somebody who believes that too, you know? And so I think it's, and that's what I mean by choosing yourself is having that give yourself a minute, give your, don't jump right into dating. I did. And I shouldn't have, I should have taken a minute. And, and I, and I did learn all of these things that I share in the book over about three years, you know, different people and different parts of the world that in my travels that said things to me. And some of them were just right at home, my sister-in-law, you know? So I think, um, so each chapter is me telling my story the piece of advice they gave me. And then I interview the person who gave me the advice. And I think their story is just as important, if not more important than mine, because it it's the, it's what happened to them that helped them learn that so that they can share it, pay it forward with other people. So this book is, you know, it's based on friendship and it's a pay it forward book. I want everybody out there who's stuck to know that they have the power to make a choice. They have the power to choose to do one thing for themselves today that helps them get unstuck, but nobody can get you unstuck. You have to do it for yourself. And so I want people to read this book and I want them to understand it's really the power is theirs. You have to choose. You know, I had to make the choice to feel better and had to make the choice to start that vision board, to wear that bracelet and look at myself in the mirror every day and say, you are enough, you know? And so that's, that's how it all started. I just, it just started thinking about the advice and then all my, 
10 women said yes to being interviewed, which I think was the biggest miracle <laughs> of all. And they're, they're all anonymous in the book. I gave them all country music star names because I'm from Nashville. And uh, so they all have funny names like Dolly Parton and Loretta Lynn. And <laughs> <laughs> tried to make I it a little lighthearted because we're, we're talking about some tough stuff. And then the end of the book is I get I finally get around to dating in chapter 10, 11, and 12 and, and try to give insight about what I've learned and dating after 50. And I think, I think the lessons really apply to any age. If you're online dating, it's tricky. And, and I try to just give advice about what I've learned and, and my friends also share what they've learned on, on the dating. I love it. So the book is just full of wisdom everywhere you, ah, I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> Woman power, women wisdom. Yes. But yes. I tell you what, I have to say it is for guys too because um, I had half my beta readers, which a beta reader is somebody you asked to read your book before it's released. So you can get feedback and make any changes. That you need. And I did 50% men and 50% women because I didn't want any men, man bashing, especially from me. Um, and so, and I've, and most of the men came back and were just like, wow, this, why do you have a pink cover? Because this is really important for men as well. You know, if you remove all the pronouns and make the names men names, you would never know that it's a male female thing. And yeah. so, um, so I, I hope that men will also utilize it. But it, all that you know, it was my female friends who are interviewed in the book. Yeah, and how did they feel? Did they feel nervous about this being so yes. open? You know, during the <laughs> interviews, <laughs> they were nervous, and they all really, as women do, they sometimes think, you know, you know, that you don't have anything to offer. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I could offer. I mean, I don't really have a great story. And I was like, well, I just want to talk about the advice you gave me. And then if it turns out to be a bad interview, then I won't use it. But so we just did this, like what you and I are doing. We just had a conversation and it came out really naturally because we love each other and we're friends and you can, and I think you get that in the interviews. We kind of tease each other a little bit and I make fun of um, Shania and I think chapter three for her chocolate addiction, but <laughs> <laughs> she had to mention chocolate in the interview. It's so funny, but, um, yes, they were nervous and they felt like they didn't have anything to offer, but they did every one of them. And I'm so proud of them for sharing their stories and, and providing anonymity to them made it more comfortable for them because, you know, they're, they're talking about some hard things. And there's a chapter on grief where two women that lost their husbands in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And one woman lost her son to suicide. And it's, you know, how did they get through that time? And what was their process? And, and what can we do as friends to help somebody going through that? Because I haven't, I have lost people in my life. I haven't lost a spouse or a child. And I think, you know, I can speak to what it's like to lose a sister-in-law and I can, and a best friend but I can't speak to, and I do in, in the chapter, but I could not speak to what they had. And I know there's a lot of people grieving out there. Um, and so I wanted these three very special women to tell their stories and they did a great job, a really great job. Oh, oh that's so sweet. And in part healing, you know, mm -hmm. because they get to talk about it. Um, for my family in Puerto Rico, uh grief is i call it like a facebook block mm. where they just like they're gone we're never going to speak about that person again i think it has gotten better but it's like part of their coping mechanism 
And it wasn't until my 30s that I was like, oh, no, like, you have to talk about it, you know, because grieving is forever, you know, and you have your on and off days and there's not a day that goes by that you're not missing that person that is gone. So I'm glad that they had that um, conversation and advice for others that are going through that process. Um yeah. And there's a, there's a, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to get this quote, right. But my friend Kay gave it to me to put in the book and it's like, grief is like water. The more you spread it around the, the thinner it gets, you know, so the, and the lighter it gets, and there's less of the grief if, you know, so the more you spread it around, the more it evaporates, <laughs> I guess is really a better way to put that. But, and I think that's a really beautiful concept. And I think grief from divorce, grief from job loss, grief from illness, um, you know, there's a lot of different forms of grief and there's no one way to handle grief, but you have to walk through it. And I think the name of, yeah, the name of my chapter on grief is called permanently temporary because it is permanent, mm, but you yeah. do have temporary bouts where it's harder and you have temporary windows open where it's easier and it, and it, and it lightens, you know, and so it's permanent and it's temporary, but but grief is something that the more you address it, the lighter it gets or the more it can evaporate. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the uh, (laughs) unstuck part. So what things did you do to get unstuck? Well, travel, especially solo travel was a really big part of that, but I also did, um, I got the walking therapy, you know, the walking with my friends oh, yeah. and just talking out their <laughs> problems and talking out mine. We do a lot of walking, a lot of miles, but I also did go to therapy. I, I had a family counselor that I went to and he said a lot of things that, um, really helped me see more clearly because when you're grieving, sometimes you just can't see the world like other people can see. And I, and I think another important thing between your therapist or family counselor and your friends is they can see you in a way you can't see yourself. Mm. And so trusting their vision of you, Kelly, you're brave and you're strong. You've always been brave and strong. Remember how you helped me through a, B and C, you know, you can do this. You can do it. Yes. You're tired and exhausted from the fight now, but you can do it. And so just trusting people and seeing yourself through their eyes is a really big deal. I, and meditation, I started meditating. I started doing yoga on a regular basis and man, sometimes I get into a yoga position and there's just different things. Like you carry your, your stress in your hips and in your shoulders. And I'd get into a stretch and man, I just had to start tears coming down my face because it was such a relief because that's where I was holding that. And so I really started understanding my body a lot better and, um, how I, how, how the body was reacting to the grief and the pain and the anger and later how my body positively reacted to forgiveness Mm. and, and finally letting go of that pain and that anger. And, and then, you know, I, I also had to learn to forgive myself because I had stayed in a place that was really bad for me, um, for too long. And so I think that's, you know, I think walking through that forgiveness process was a huge part of me getting unstuck. 
And, and I think dating is actually a really healing thing to do too, because when you're finding someone attractive and they're finding you attractive, that's, that's partly building self-esteem. I want you to have self-esteem without that, but it sure feels nice when somebody says you're beautiful or my gosh, you're so kind, or you're so thoughtful or whatever it is, you know, that I like to think of myself as a kind and loving person. So when somebody sees that in me, it's affirmation and it, and it feels great. So I did all of those things. <laughs> There's something new in every chapter, but every chapter does have what I call an empowerment practice. And it's something that I did and I learned from, but I, I applied it to the piece of advice that my friend gave me. So I kind of took some things I've been doing the last five years, but, and put my own little twist on it from my friend's advice. And so there are some practical things in the book that you can do every chapter. Nice. I love that. Is there any other books in the making? Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am writing my second book, um, but I'm also promoting this book. So it's kind of a Mm part-time writing, part-time promotion. Um, but it's called the traveling effect. And it's a, it's about my year of solo travel and what I learned, um, every culture I was in every, um, every situation I was in, you know, sometimes I was hiking. I went to Buenos Aires for five weeks and tried to learn tango. (laughs) And I mean, tried, I never succeeded, (laughs) But, but that was such an adventure. And it was like, what did I learn about myself from that? Putting myself out there like that, like that was bold and scary. (laughs) And one of the things I learned is I don't always have to be so bold, (laughs) but but it was, you know, but I learned from it and I met so many incredible, in Buenos Aires, there's people from all over the world there to learn tango because it's such the original birthplace of tango. And so it's, it's just an incredible experience to even try it. But then, you know, I'm in high heels learning tango and five weeks later I'm Patagonia hiking mountains by myself, you know, so it was, there's all this contrast to, you know, I, I like, I always joke, high heels to hiking boots. Yeah, that's me. But I love high heels too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, you sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. I like to have fun. <laughs> I like that's to think awesome. so anyway, that I'm fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, anything else that you would like our listeners to know about you? Well, I'd like to, I'm, I have a gift for your listeners. Um, okay. I have written out, outside of my book, you know, some of the lessons in the book are included, but also some, some further lessons. I, I wrote a tip sheet called 10 ways to get unstuck and it's free for anybody that wants, um, I also give away the first chapter for free. If somebody wants to go to my website, they can find that under references, but um, you can go to 10 ways to get unstuck.com and you can download the tip sheet there. And so that's free for anybody who just wants to get, you know, I talk about um, meditation and I even provide a meditation. It's free on my website that you can, and I have a YouTube channel, CK Collins author, um, at YouTube. And I have a lot of free stuff there as well. And I have videos about those tips. So, um, I hope people will download it. And then if they like that, there's a lot more in the book that, um, my friends share. And I think every chapter in that book, somebody is going to relate to one chapter at a minimum Mm -hmm. and maybe five or six chapters. So 
they're, they're marked very clearly. So if you need to focus on anger, there's an anger chapter. If you need to focus on forgiveness, there's forgiveness. But I do think sometimes even you're learning stuff that like my friends did, they learned and they learned it so they could teach it to me. Right. And so it, it's, it got paid forward. And so I did that tip sheet to pay it forward and you don't even have to buy anything, but you still get the tips. <laughs> Nice. I love that. And yeah, I will have all the links in the description of the episode. Great. Great. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. I'm on a mission to help people. I want people to feel as good as I feel now. And I know it's up to them, but I wanted to provide any kind of information I could that would help them. I love that. Uh, Your mission is important because we do need, you know, to get to that place. And what I have learned is like for the longest time, like I was looking for um, happiness and I just couldn't get there. But then when I started seeking peace, then that's where I found it. So it was like looking for peace at uh, first, and, but that was uh, like last year. <laughs> and you know, but you did it. Was, it. Yeah, you did it. It was my uh, word of the year. I tried to do that this year's community. Last year was peace, but uh, four days into the year, I was having a panic attack. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly how you start a peace year." <laughs> But sometimes those, I feel like those crisis moments are where the growth happens. Yes. You know, usually in some kind of crisis, you learn something about yourself or you learn, you may, even if it's just, I don't ever want to do that again. That may be the lesson in a panic attack. I've had panic attacks and they suck. (laughs) It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, my word for the year is gather. Like I want to gather with people like this. I want to go to women's conferences. I want to, I want to sit down with book groups and I want, I want to talk it out because I know everybody's stuck about something. Everybody, we're not all that pretty thing on that pretty profile on Facebook. You know, there's, there's a layer underneath to all of us with some kind of stuckness. It (laughs) is. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, that's, everybody deserves happiness and you're right. It does come through peace, but you can't have peace when you're stuck. There has to be some kind of forward motion. Yes. And you did that. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I love journaling and vision board. When you mentioned the vision board with the first person, I was like, oh my God, yes. Vision board is the thing. Because it just, it keeps you hopeful. Yes, absolutely. And, and focused on the hope, focused on the progress. And I think, you know, that, that, that prayer, that manifestation, that all of us call it something different. You know, I believe in God, but if somebody doesn't believe in God, they might understand mm-hmm. that the universe is working with them, you know, and if you stay negative, your world's going to stay negative. You stay positive, your world's going to stay positive, you know, whether you believe that's God or the universe, or maybe you believe there's nothing, you know, but, but understand that that's, it's the law of physics, <laughs> you know, you're going to like attracts like, and so positive and peace attracts peace. You know, if you're peaceful, then you're going to attract peaceful people into your life. So I think that's just, just that, just knowing that is super important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you for inviting me. This has been so much fun. (laughs)
<laughs> we gathered in community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, hope you enjoyed this episode and this interview as much as I did. Uh, you know, you can find my podcast in all major platforms as well as YouTube. You know, do you think? Like and subscribe. <laughs> Anyways, hope you have a blessed day. Bye-bye.